Moving my head? Yeah. I'm laying it off? Love that too. I'm pronating? When you're not supinating. I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. I look like a fool. What the hell do you think you look like shooting them chili peppers up Lee Jansen's ass? What's up, golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Fairways and Dreams. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here on this golf excursion every Tuesday and Thursday. Remember, Tuesdays are my two-man scramble podcast where I have a guest on, and today, Thursday, is when it's just me. Just me and a microphone giving you my thoughts on the game of golf and anything that I want to talk about. I've already made the decision that I'm never going to do an entire podcast based solely on the PGA Tour or Live Golf or any of that stuff. I'll mention it in the news, but I'm not going to really dive into that because really, I think a lot of people are just done with it. And I'm kind of one of those people that's done with it. So let's talk about some news to start this Fairways and Dreams podcast. First and foremost, let's talk about the podcast. So I used to be, and I still I still run Fans for Sports Network, which is an entire separate entity, but this podcast at one time was housed there at Fans for Sports Network. Now, we have decided as a media company to create a new branch of all golf podcasts. I'm really excited about this. It officially launched at the beginning of February, and we have brought on a lot of podcast feeds since that time, and it is called the Golfer Gang Network. We have people that talk specifically about locations, meaning people that golf specifically in a state or they golf specifically doing this. Some people like to test out clubs and they talk about that. It is all for golfers. Eventually, in the long term, we're going to have a website where you can see every single feed that is represented there. We have all we're going to have a lot of cool stuff happening with the Golfer Gang Network. If you follow me on Instagram, the golf underscore life, you'll see a lot of content about the Golfer Gang. You can check us out on all the social platforms, Instagram, Golfer underscore gang. Same on Twitter. Check us out. We do appreciate it. The Golfer Gang Network. This is just the beginning of something I feel is very, very special. Now, let's also talk about Acorn Hills. Acorn Hills with a brand new launch. If you've never checked out Acorn Hills, it's easy. Go to acornhillsco.com. That's acornhillsco.com. When you go to Acorn Hills, you can use the discount code FD15. Save yourself 15%. They just had a new launch. They've got a really cool quarter zip that's like a, a, a white with a, some lavender camo. It looks really cool. You got to check it out. And if you want it, save yourself some money. FD15, use that code at checkout. All right, now a lot of people... In the golf world, they're talking a lot about what happened in Phoenix last weekend. We talked about the waste management tournament last Thursday and how exciting that is. And the weather was rough out there and it was raining and patrons were not able to do anything and all that stuff that happened. Everyone's talking about it. And the one thing I told, I was talking with my wife to give you a little background. I was talking with my wife about this. I'm showing her some videos on social media. I'm like, look at this look at these people at this golf tournament. She said, wow, like that's, that's a golf tournament. Like, yeah, this is a golf tournament. It's really was really, really weird to see. And I said, I'm trying to get my thoughts together without sounding like a grumpy old man on his front lawn, shaking his fist at a cloud. That's what I'm trying. I'm not, I'm trying to not go there. Cause I understand that a lot of people just want to have fun. They want to have a good time. And if alcohol is involved, that's fine. But so that's where I was like, okay, let's pivot a little bit. Let's not base this solely on what happened at the Waste Management Tournament in Phoenix last weekend. Let's 
pivot this and say, does golf require a higher standard for both players and patrons, people attending tournaments? You always hear down at the Masters, Augusta National, they do not call them, you know, people that are attending them, attendees, they are patrons. So that's what I'm going to call them here. So I, I think about that question. Does golf require a higher standard for both those watching the tournament and those that might be playing, even if you're playing locally at your favorite golf course? It's a really tough question to answer. So when you look at the waste management tournament, and we'll use that as an example because it's fresh in our mind, and it's what we've obviously heard so much about since that tournament wrapped up last weekend, there were arrests. The course, they had security issues where people were just getting into the tournament without a ticket. These This stadium course could not hold all those people. It was so bad at one point, I think it was Saturday, they had to stop selling alcohol. And they did. So everyone was so pissed off. They were so, like, you know, just that there was drunken debauchery everywhere. People going into VIP areas they weren't supposed to be in. It was just really, really crazy. It was really crazy. But I want to say that this is not about that tournament. Okay. This is not just about that tournament. This is about all golfers. People that just go and play, does golf require a higher standard? That's the question we're trying to answer on this podcast. So let's talk about patron etiquette. I grew up going to professional golf tournaments. My uncle, who still keep in great contact with him, great guy. He's gotten me some guests on this show, hopefully having a few more coming up. And he's very connected in the golf world. He would always get tickets at Firestone in Akron, Ohio, and we would go see the NEC. And we would go and we would watch my brother and I at really young age with my dad and my uncle would be walking around the tournament. And it was always very important. And it was always impressed on us that you had to act a certain way. You do not talk when you're standing right next to a golfer who's getting ready to hit a shot. You do not talk when a player is on the green, even if they're just reading a putt. You do not scream after they've hit a shot. You clap, you might say good shot, but you don't scream. This was impressed on us at a very young age. And so when you go to the any type of golf tournament that's a professional tournament, I always keep that in the back of my mind. The most recent professional tournament I went to was actually the U.S. Open at Congressional Country Club near D.C. in 2011. And that was the year that Rory McIlroy won the, won the U.S. Open. He ran away with it. We were there for round three Saturday, and it, it was really subdued. It was really subdued. There were a lot of people there. But the course did a great job of shuttling everyone in and out. Uh, it was everyone was spread out across the entire 18 holes. It never looked as if as it does at the waste management with people running in the gates trying to get to the 16th. They want a seat there at the stadium hole. I get all that. But I guess for me, a lot of people combat that. So that they'll say, okay, you have to act a certain way. And let's say why? Because there's an etiquette to the game. And there's an etiquette for watching the game, especially if you're there at a professional event. These players have millions of dollars on the line, whether it's in winnings, in the purse money, or whether it's in playing well enough that you might get a new, uh, you might get a new company, a new brand to sponsor you. And sponsorship money is probably for some golfers more than what they actually make in revenue from the actual winnings. So I always respected that. I don't want people coming to my where I work doing what I do. And when I have a very tense or critical moment in my day, I don't want someone screaming. So I respect that. I respect that it's their job, but I go back to when I was in college, when I was in college, 
I have a physical education background. We had to take a class called perceptual motor learning. Perceptual motor learning was all about how you had to think about things that were outside the body that could somehow impact what you did in terms of performance. And my professor at the time, uh, he actually had a great example. And he said, look, this is kind of like comparing golf to baseball. So in terms of the perception of the people watching, the attendees, the patrons in this case, he talked about how in baseball, you have a pitcher throwing a round object and he's throwing it as hard as he can with spin on it. And there's a batter who's using another round object, the bat, trying to hit this moving orb being thrown as hard as they can. And oftentimes it's moving a sinker, a curveball, a slider, you know, you know what I'm talking about. In golf, the ball is circular. You're hitting it with a flatter surface and it's stationary. Whether it's on a tee or on the ground, it's not moving. You're not allowed to touch the ball when it's in motion. Now in baseball, clearly anyone that can think about this scenario in their head, rounded object, bat, round ball, moving, that's going to be more difficult than a round ball, flatter surface, stationary. In baseball, the fans are allowed to heckle and boo. And I think of as a Pittsburgh fan in 2015 when, or it might've been 2014, it could have been 13. I don't know. They had three years stretch where they made the postseason, And it was a famous, 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 famous for Pirate fans. They will never forget this. The Pittsburgh Pirates, PNC Park, Cincinnati Reds, Pittsburgh Pirates, the wild card playing game. Johnny Cueto of the Reds is pitching and he drops the ball on the mound. He wasn't hidden toe the rubber, so it's not a balk. But the entire PNC Park crowd starts chanting, Cueto, Cueto. Anyone that follows baseball knows that moment. And any Pirate fan will always remember that moment. But here you have a pitcher and a batter who are getting ready for this moment of this really difficult physical act of hitting a ball that's moving through the air. And people are just screaming and chanting. And then in golf... You got to be quiet. Like everyone quiet down. It really is backwards when you think about it. If anything, golf should be the area that you should be able to be loud and get amped up because really that hitting that golf ball that's not moving is a hell of a lot easier than one that is moving like in baseball. But nonetheless, I don't make the rules. This is just what has been bestowed upon me as a young adult and a young man and now as an adult myself that there is an etiquette in this game. There's an etiquette for people watching the game. So I've always just tried to approach golf with respect. And I, I hey, do I think that, it, do I have a problem with someone yelling, you the man, after they hit a tee shot? Like, I, I really don't care. It gets old after a while. But ultimately, it is what it is. I guess I just think that there has to be a point. There has to be a moment. There has to be some form of limitation that you have as a golf fan at an event and maybe that's the problem. Some of these events, they're not really golf fans, and they don't know. They're just going for the party. But I, <laughs> I was watching these clips from the Waste Management, and I'm thinking to myself, this is Happy Gilmore come to life. The only difference is, is they're not there to see one golfer like they are in the movie Happy Gilmore. They're just there for the debauchery. And I'll never forget that scene. And I'm, if you've, you've seen the movie, you know it. And that's where... A shooter McGavin is in the commissioner's office. Happy Gilmore's there. I think he had just gotten pulled into the office to be reprimanded. And he said, you know what I saw, Doug? Two people having sex in the wood. How am I supposed to chip with that happening, Doug? 
And that's what it reminds me of. Not that there's people having sex in the woods, but there's craziness happening. And you saw these outbursts from players saying for people to shut up and stop talking, which only seems to make it worse instead of just ignoring them. It's really, really interesting. Everyone stands on a different part of this fence. I asked the question on Instagram, really curious. Hey, where do you stand? Did they go too far? Just let them have fun. Or, you know, I don't even know what the third option was. The majority of people said they went too far, that they have to understand how they have to act at a golf tournament. And nothing, some people said, hey, just let them have fun. Let them have a good time. It's difficult. It's difficult as a patron. But I can say that if I were to go to golf, a golf tournament again, if I were to take my kids, I'm going to tell them what they should and shouldn't do, in my opinion. And that is be respectful, understand the situation, don't ever do anything like we saw at the waste management. But what about as a golfer? What about as a golfer? That's the next question. As a golfer, is there also a higher standard for you? The etiquette of the game, you go back to my Tuesday podcast where, uh, you know, I had James uh, Faisal on and he has seven kids. Now, they're not all at the age where they're golfing yet, but he understands what it's like to have a bunch of kids out there. And he said, and I agree 100%, the hardest thing to teach kids is not the swing. It's the etiquette of the game. Don't walk there. Yes, do move there when they're hitting over here so that you're ready when it's your turn to hit. It's really difficult, and it takes a long time in explaining things and why they have to do that. There's a lot of golfers that get into this game later in life. Go back to my interview a couple weeks ago. 33 years old is when uh, Greg learned the game, and he said etiquette is difficult. Etiquette was the difficult part for him. Yeah, you got to learn how to get the ball from A to B as quickly as possible. But at the same time, you don't know these little nuances in and around the green and what you can do and what you should do and all that stuff. The one thing I hate to see, I hate to see is when you have fighting people that are drunk on the golf course, they're falling all over the place. And again, I understand that some people go out there and that's their release. That is their way to just, Hey, I I've had a hectic day. Maybe my life outside of the golf course is not very great. And so I'm here to just let loose. I want to have fun with my buddies and I'm just going to have a good time. And if that means that I get drunk, then so be it. But at the same time, the fighting people that are driving golf carts through sand traps, like all this stuff is just so over the top for me. It's so over the top. So I love golf. And I love golf because I feel like it is family friendly. People ask me all the time when I, as I cover the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, when was the last time you went to a game? It's been a long time since I went to a game, 2013 to be exact. Why don't you go? Well, it would cost a second mortgage for me to take all of my kids to a football game in the NFL. But not only that, I don't know if I want them around that. I don't know if I want them around those people and the way that they're acting like, that's just, no, that's okay. Call it sheltering my children. Sure. Yeah. I'm going to shelter them in certain situations. I would think that I would be able to say like, yeah, if there's a golf tournament close to me, which in the state of Maryland and Northern Virginia, there are some tournaments. If I want to take my kids, I would go into that event thinking that we'll, we'll be fine. What's the problem? Like, what's going to happen in congressional? There were no, there was no one falling over drunk. When we were at the U S open, there was no one that was fighting anyone else that didn't happen. So that is rare. I want to make that very clear. That is rare. But even at the Ryder cup, whether it's on, especially when it's on us soil, it can get rowdy. And there's a difference between rowdy and then obnoxious and, or just complete 
drunkenness. That's exactly the way I would describe what happened at the Waste Management in Phoenix. I love golf. I love golf because I think it's family friendly. I don't want to take my kids to a course and fear that someone's going to drive up and, and threaten to fight us for a reason. Now, that rarely ever happens. And all those videos that you see of people fighting and getting into verbal arguments, that does not just start. No one has that inclination. I'm just going to go fight that guy. A lot of times words are said and things like that. But still, does golf require a higher standard? I think it does. Is it right that there's a higher standard? Some would say that no, that it's not right, that golf is just another sport and that you should be able to, you as a golfer should be able to have fun and you should be able to unleash, like just have a good time like you would at almost any other sporting event. I just disagree with that. Now, something I did this week that I haven't done yet is I just put out some questions on Twitter and on Instagram and said, hey, does anyone have any questions? I had a couple. I just picked one. Today, I just picked one uh, and it ties in well with the topic of discussion. And this came from Twitter. Zach Farnsworth asked, have you had any bad experiences on the golf course, specifically rude golfers or spectators? And how did you handle the situation? Had this happened recently and was wondering how others deal with difficult people on the links. Thanks. So Zach, it's a great question. And uh, Zach listens to the podcast. He's also a big Steeler fan. And I think for me, I have had situations. It was one guy in particular at our country club. And I was playing with the kids afternoon and there was a group of people that walk and you could tell by the way people walk that they are like power walkers. Like they, they were trying to finish this round as quickly as possible. And we were on a specific hole, short par four, very straight on. My son forgot a club. And so he's walking back to get the club and this guy behind us in his group, they had already hit their shots. They're waiting to hit their second shots. We're finishing the hole. We're leaving. And he yells, something along the lines of what the hell's going on? Hurry up. Now I was with my dad and I, before I could even say anything, my dad was already chirping back saying, why don't you worry about yourself? Now that's not how I would have handled that situation. First and foremost, get my son off the, get up, get my son off the hole. We're probably going to go up to the tee box and I'm going to watch their approach shots. If they stick them in there tight, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait at the next tee box and I'm going to say, just go ahead. Go ahead and play through. I've got my kids. I'm not in any rush. You're clearly in a hurry and you're playing good golf. So go ahead. But on that day, I watched those approach shots. They sprayed them all over God's creation. And I said, let's go. We're just not going to deal with it. We're just going to go. My dad said, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. I'm not a confrontational guy. I'm not about to get in someone's face over the game of golf when we're just here to have a good time. So I've always felt, and maybe this has something to do with my upbringing, I'm always going to try to de-escalate the situation. I'm never going to be the one that ramps it up. I also don't drink. I used to, don't anymore. Nope, wasn't an alcoholic, just has, I have no interest to do it anymore. So therefore, when there's no alcohol involved, a lot of times the beer muscles or whatever you want to call it, they don't come out and therefore I'm able to control myself. I'll control myself. I'll get myself out of the situation so that nothing escalates, especially in front of my kids because that's a bad look. Good question. Though. We'll be doing that every week on Thursdays. Let's finish this up with like we always do on Thursdays, gambling. That's right. The Genesis is this weekend. Tiger Woods is in the tournament. He said he's going to play about one tournament a month, barring injury. He's going to play this one in February. He'll probably play the players in March, and then he'll get ready for the Masters in April. So there's a lot of different bets in this in this tournament. I looked it up. I had a free play from the from the uh, Super Bowl. 
I played this. I'll tell you what I played in a second. The Genesis Invitational. I like, if I'm trying to pick an outright winner, I really like Justin Thomas in this tournament. He's plus 1,600 to win it all. That's a crapshoot. Not that it's it's pretty good odds, but really it's not one of those golfers that like right now Rory and Scotty Scheffler have tremendous odds. He's got decent odds. He's got these. You want to take a flyer, you can pick someone like Ricky Fowler, crazy long odds. But I like JT plus 1600. Now, if you want a combo bet, so combo bet, we're going top 20, including ties. Last week I did a trio. This week I'm doing a duo. Last week I was so close at waste management. I had Jordan Spieth, Sam Burns. And, um, M the, the Korean golfer, I had them finish tied with ties in the top 20 Spieth burns. Yes. M no, not even close. So I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. Like I said, we're refining our craft, getting ready for the masters, but this duo top 20 counting ties. I have Justin Thomas and Max Homa plus plus one forty five. Max Homa typically plays well in California, typically plays well on the West coast plus plus one forty five. Justin Thomas and Max Homa. But like an old infomercial, there's more. Tiger Woods has his own series of bets here. And most of these are on the first round or the first two rounds. They're not going to be guaranteed to make a cut. Tiger Woods, this is my bet that I actually put on from the Super Bowl. I had a free bet. Had to use it by this weekend. Bogey-free round or bogey-free first nine, one through nine. If he goes bogey-free holes one through nine, it's plus 350. I took that bet. I was watching Tiger swing the club. There's been a lot of videos circulating on circulating on social media. He looks like he's got good control of the woods, and that's that's where he gets himself in trouble. If he can keep it in play, I like that bet plus three fifty. Then, after round one, this is not the final. After round one, if Tiger is in the top twenty, including ties, plus one sixty. So that's another one. If you think the Tiger's going to come out strong. I think most people would say that if he comes out strong, he's probably going to fizzle down the stretch. He's just not in great shape yet. He said that openly when he played down in Bermuda earlier the year with the uh, the Hero Classic. He's just not there yet. Maybe you think he's going to play well in the first round. That's why I'm, I'm banking on that one through nine, bogey-free front nine to win myself a little bit of cash. Not a lot, just a little bit, but that's the first official play I've made on the PGA Tour, and I can't believe it was the Tiger Woods because if you don't know this, I'm not a huge Tiger Woods fan. So there you go. Talked about a lot of stuff here today. Etiquette of golf. I'd love to hear what you think. If you want to find me on Instagram, you can at the golf underscore life. You can find me on Twitter at J Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. Don't forget to check out the golfer gang network. We've got some big things coming. That's exciting. In the meantime, you know, we finish out these solo shows, be safe, be kind and hit them straight. We'll see you next week on fairways and dreams. <laughs>